Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Throws it to Eckler on the screen. He's got a block to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. High pass. Did Williams make that catch? My goodness. Feet for a first down. Herbert with time. Now running out of time. Throws on the run. Down the sideline. Caught in the end zone. Keenan Allen for the touchdown. Throws, and again, it's intercepted. And that's Asante Samuel. Here's another one. Watch out. How did it feel when Derwin James absolutely powerbombed the f*** out of you on national television? You're listening to the Shock Therapy Podcast with Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers. What's up, Zach? How you been? I haven't seen you in a little bit. It's uh, been a couple of weeks since we last podcast. What you been up to? Man, uh, just working, me? trying to get myself through. Yeah. Am I good? I'm lagging. You're good, but hey, let's just roll with it. So we've been gone for a couple of weeks. Nope. How's your baseball team going right now? How's the baseball team? They're going now? they're going. I mean, we're about halfway through the season. Um, yeah, we're halfway through the season right now. The, the Rivercats themselves win loss record not very good, but reason for that is a lot of those guys are getting called up uh, playing legit minutes for the Giants who are on fire right now. Um, there's a lot of guys who started the year down here in Sacramento who are, are contributing, um, and, and that team's red hot right now. So the Rivercats themselves, not not really impacting the win-loss record, but they're doing exactly what they, they are supposed to be doing, which is feeding that that Major League clubhouse. And um, guys like Luis Matos and David Villar, um, a lot of ex-River Cats making major impacts right now at the, the, the big league level. But personally, just trying to get through this dead time. Uh, I, I can't wait for training camp to start. Um, a lot of new faces in, in new places and um, excited to get back to NFL football. And then uh, Padres are totally stinking it up. They're down right now, 8-4. Uh, I don't bring up the Padres. Um, that's are a, they sellers? That's a, I got to ask. Are they sellers right now? There's been a lot of talk about them moving once 
Soto. There's been a lot of talk of them moving Hater and Snell. And are are they selling right now? No, no. I I kind of see them staying put. Um, I don't think it's the all in year that you want, especially with. Giants playing red hot. Uh, Dodgers are in a kind of a lull, but you kind of just anticipate them to turn it around and 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 make it into the playoffs. And then you got Diamondbacks um, absolutely playing way better than anybody I think thought they would. Um, and they're red hot, the team to beat in the NL West right now. So I just don't think it's the all-in year. I think they kind of just stay put. Um, uh, I mean, they're almost I, 10 I think- games back at the midway point. You know, it's it's a lot for them to try I, I, to overcome. I think I'm already set on this being a major disappointment. Uh, the only way this is not a disappointing year is if they win the World Series, which I with with the guys in house, I just don't see them clicking um, uh, soon enough to, to make that a reality. Still, for being so mediocre that like the Padres have been for so long finally trying to do something by get, getting all of these superstars in one house, it's going to take some time. I, I think we as fans are, are antsy, but they, they're trending in the right direction. Um, they're not, they're no longer the worst team in baseball. Um, they might be one of the more disappointing teams in baseball, but at least they're making progress. So I think they kind of stay still, uh, wait for guys like, you know, Otani to figure out where they're going to go and try to go big fish hunting again. Um, and hopefully get that leadership in house because I think this team right now is just doesn't have the leadership and, and doesn't have um, any type of momentum because guys aren't clicking. But that takes that takes some time, um, especially doing it the it way the Padres take that are much doing time. it. I mean, with... it's, it's so close to the same team that they put out there last year. They added superstars is really close. all they added, right? And I'm not going to make excuses for this team. This team should be a lot better than they are. Baseball is such a rhythm sport, and this pitch clock, I think you're seeing it across the board. It is a game changer. Um, now, they should still be much better than than they are in the win-loss record, um, but I think it's going to take some time. You got guys in-house that are new. You got uh, a new guys adjust to, for one, new people around them, but then new rules. So uh, I, I, I think this year is kind of done. Um, I'm waiting for, you know, they make it to make some, some noise in the off season and I'll be, I'll be happy come the end of the season, um, looking towards next year. Cause that's as a charger and Padre fan, it seems like as soon as you get into the season, um, you, you're disappointed. So <laughs> I'm kind of already looking to 2024, uh, for the Padres. Well, let's get into our episode. This is the Raiders breakdown episode last year. The Raiders finished 6-11, third in the AFC West. Uh, they scored the 12th most points in the NFL last year in Mac- McDaniel's first season as head coach. They also finished 26 in points against. Uh, offense, it's not flashy, but it's efficient. Uh, they've got three offensive stars, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, and left tackle Colton Miller. On the opposite side, it's really just Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, still a really good player, kind of a, a shell of his former self. Uh, and then the rest of the defense has its issues. We'll talk about it. Uh, I think that the place that we got to start is the quarterback situation. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Hoyer, and Aiden O'Connell, yeah. uh, who they drafted. Um, Derek Carr is out. Jimmy G is in. Uh, Aiden O'Connell was a fourth-round draft pick, somebody who could potentially 
play pretty early in his career with all the injuries, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, do you think that this move is an upgrade, downgrade, or um, what? what is the, the, the turnover from Jimmy Garoppolo, from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo like? I think I think they got worse at the quarterback position, and I think neither of us are, are big Derek Carr believers. Um, I think they went from the 15th best quarterback in the league to the 20th or the 21st. Um, I think Jimmy has shown over the years he could lead a hot team. He could lead a very talented team when all he's expected to do is the bare minimum and not make mistakes. When the game is in his hands, when he needs to make a play, he's shown time and time again um, that he's not that he can't get it done. And that was with a Kyle Shanahan team and a really, really strong uh, San, uh, San Francisco 49er team. That is not what you got here in Las Vegas. So with a acre offense, you're going to have to win some games. Um, and I just don't think Jimmy is the kind of guy. Um, he's, he's not a team player. He doesn't like to play through pain um, and play behind that offensive line. Uh, he's going to get, he's going to get hit. He's going to get thrown to the turf. Um, I just don't think, I, I think it's a down move and it's very, very Raiders to be in a year like this with all this roster overhaul, um, desperately needing a quarterback and they go and get a worse one. It's it just such a, a Raider type of move. Um, and that's why you've seen this team be so, mediocre for the last decade because it's it's roster moves like this i mean the quarterback position is where they were hurting since rich gannon left right so this team has been plagued by the quarterback position and i understand why they went and got jimmy grappolo uh i mean he was 40 and 17 as a starter with the 49ers he's got four playoff wins uh he's a very efficient passer he doesn't put the team into bad situations keeps his interceptions to a minimum I, if he can stay healthy, he helps the team win. That's kind of the itch, issue, though, is just the injury history. I mean, it's huge. There's a reason the Raiders put in a clause into his contract. Uh, he signed a three-year, $72 million contract and a clause that if he goes down because of the foot injury, that clause essentially lets him break that that contract and he doesn't get paid. Uh, he would have failed his physical uh ended up signing, you know, those rights away, really betting on himself. Um, And if you look just across the history, since he was with the 49ers, he played in six games one season, three games the next season, played all 16 games the year after, then six games, then 15 games, then 11 games. So he's just not been available. He's had ACL injuries, a high ankle, a low ankle sprain, a hand fracture, a torn thumb ligament, a foot fracture. Now, every season he's been dealing with something pretty significant. Um, I think that's a big reason why you're going to see Aiden O'Connell or Brian Hoyer get an opportunity to play very, very early. Uh, Brian Hoyer is 37 years old. Nothing more than really a player coach at this point in his career. Uh, I think it's going to be O'Connell is going to get a lot more snaps, uh, and we'll have to see you know, how Hoyer's knowledge of the Josh McDaniels offense helps this team kind of move forward. But I just don't see, I still don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo is on track to be ready for training camp. So, you know, what's going on with that situation is going to be something we're going to have to look at. Um, In terms of the running back situation, and I will, I'll uh, just Josh, say, go ahead. All, all I wanted to say was um, having a guy 
by having an offensive mind like Josh McDaniels is going to make that transition smoother than it would be if you went into like a defensive minded coach. Um, I, I think everybody respects Josh McDaniels offensive acumen. It's, it's just what the question is, is, is he the, is he a leader and he's the leader you need at the head coach role? Um, they're banking on that, and that's why they they kept most of their coaching staff in house. Um, they really think it's a personnel problem. So you did a complete roster re- U-Haul. Um, it is it is up to the guys in house and that coaching staff uh, to to make a difference. And now playing in a very tough division, um, not sure you're going to improve on your six wins that you had last year. No, and you know I don't think that Mac McDaniel is a bad offensive coordinator. I just haven't seen him be successful away from Tom Brady no. ever. The Cam Newton offense that he built, like that was not fun at all. Um, no. He's not, he's not, he's not the 49ers head coach, Mike, uh, Kyle Shanahan. You know, he's not Sean McVay. He's not really super innovative. I mean, his offenses away from Tom Brady have had a strong run game. And that's what they were last season, which we'll talk about uh, right now with Josh Jacobs. But I, I don't trust that he can turn this offense around, um, especially through the air, even with a weapon like Devontae Adams. Um, Josh Jacobs, Zamir White, Abmir Abdullah, and Brandon Bolden are the running backs. Josh Jacobs had his best season as a pro, rushing for over 1,600 yards, averaging just under five yards per carry. Ended up tacking on 12 score, scores. Those are all career highs for Josh Jacobs. He's consistently one of the top dogs when it comes to missed tackles forced each year. Like he ranked first last season. He was third in 2021. He was fifth in 2020. He was second in 2019. He's really, really good at making guys miss. He's got really good contact balance, stays on his feet. His first three years, he was primarily in a zone scheme. Last year, they moved toward a more of a gap scheme, 70% of his his total runs last year came in the gap, and it led to more breakaway yards, more first downs. I think he's a he's a threat. He's a really good running back. Uh, the contract situation is something we're going to have to watch. Uh, give me your thoughts on on their running back situation. Uh, where do they go uh, if they don't end up signing him? Is Zamir White going to, to 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 be the guy there next season, or do you think they're going to work out this contract? Uh, I don't think they're going to work it out. Um, I think you just can, you continually see the league in, in general kind of devalue that position. Um, even with a guy like Josh Jacobs, who's been one of the most productive backs during his time in this league. Um, or, or the other reason I'm kind of going to double down on that. You got, you mentioned those four guys, all four of those guys are, I think are legit backs in this league. I like Amir Abdullah as kind of like that versatile back. Uh, can do a little bit of everything for you. He's also probably going to take a lot of their re- return snaps. Brandon Bolden, I like as a as a power back. You know, Josh Jacobs is your bell cow. With Zamir White being the you know the future at that position. Um, so I, I I because of all of the running backs they brought in. Let's see, going into camp, they have seven running backs and a fullback uh, on the roster. I think that kind of shows you that they are preparing for the inevitable, which is they are not going to extend Josh Jacobs. They like the, I'm going to supplement a a veteran here and kind of draft through it, um, which is a, is a model a lot of teams are, are moving towards um, at a devalued position with, um, you know, 
turning more into a, a passing style league. Uh, people are just devaluing running backs. The, the, I don't believe at all in this Las Vegas front office. Um, so I got to kind of bet that they're going to make the wrong move here. And the wrong move, in my opinion, is, is letting Josh Jacobs walk. I agree. The contract situation for running backs really across the league. Headlines are not great. Uh, Raiders did hand no. Jacobs, did not hand Jacobs a fifth year option. Uh, and they ended up tagging him instead. Had they ended up giving him the fifth year option, he would have made $8 million with him making the one Pro Bowl. Uh, two Pro Bowls would have been this year. Um, but, you know, as a top five paid running back now on the franchise tag, he's going to make $10.1 million. Not really a big change. And I guess when you take took a look at his first season as a rookie where he made that Pro Bowl, followed by his next two seasons, he dealt with some injuries. I can understand them not uh, not offering that fifth-year contract and end up tagging him after he rushed for 1,600 yards last year. I think there's a chance he holds out in camp. Uh, as they try to work out a long-term contract, I think they're going to really try to work for it. Um, but I just see too much of Melvin Gordon in that situation, which is kind of scary. Um, that could really work against it, the the Raiders if he ends up holding out. Not a guy that's going to sit out the season, but definitely a guy who wants to make his money because he's earned it. Um, in terms of backups behind them, Zemir White, Brand Bolden, both only had 17 total rushing attempts last season. To, um 17 and 17, so 34, both about 70 yards. I think um, Zamir White might have had one touchdown, or maybe it was Brandon Bolden. Uh, Jacobs literally just didn't come off the field, and that's that has to change next year. To think that Derek Carr had the second most rushing attempts on that team with 24 is insane. It's likely it's going to be Zamir White. I think that as a fourth-round draft pick, uh, somebody who should probably be getting five or six snaps a game. He needs he needs to be able to come off the field, especially at that position. Rushing for 1,600 yards was more of the sheer number of attempts that he had never coming off the field than anything else. The former Bulldog um, fourth-round draft pick, there's got to be some sort of plan for him. They drafted him highly enough to be able to think that. Um if they don't, I just think it's like poor roster management, right? Like if, if you draft a, a running back and you have nobody really on the roster that can really handle, you know, RB2 snaps, it's he's the guy. And if they don't, that's just poor management, poor coaching. Like he's got to get some attempts. He's got to be able to help take some pressure off that room. Um, wide receivers, tight ends. They got Devontae Adams, Jacoby Mayers, um, Hunter Renfro, DeAndre Carter, Keelan Cole, Trey Turner, Philip Dorsett. They really have a, a pretty strong room overall. Give me your thoughts on this wide receiver room, uh, and then we'll talk about tight ends a little bit after. Yeah. Uh, starting at the receiver room, I kind of like what they did. Um, I, I'm really high on Jacoby Myers, the undrafted guy from originally New England. Kind of just hasn't been able to link up with a, a, a quarterback who can get him the ball. Um, I really like him, how he fits on this team. Another tall outside receiver, which kind of allows you to let Hunter Renfro do his best work, I think, is in, in the slot. Um, I also like it because Jacoby Myers is, is versatile, too. So he has that inside-out versatility, which I think allows you as a receiving room to play those mismatches. Devontae Adams, yes, he's a, he is a true outside receiver. 
but good offenses play mismatches. And so having three guys like that who can kind of trade places, you're going to go and you're going to attack uh, mismatches. So I, I like that, um, just the, the, the starter depth. Uh, but then I think they did a really good job supplementing that with, you know, a Philip Dorsett, who you're not want playing a whole lot of snaps, but is a solid depth piece. They went out and got DeAndre Carter, so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of uh, deal divvy up uh, return snaps with Amir Abdullah being, I think that's probably his most explosive part of his game um, is a ret- as a return guy, but so is DC. But D- I think DeAndre Carter showed last year that he's more than just a return guy. If you get him the ball uh, with space to do to make him play, uh, he will do it for you. And then Keelan Cole kind of rounds out that uh, that area. Also has a a return touchdown on his career. So kind of an interesting group. Um, I think the, the the turnaround at the tight end room is probably it is really intense. And so I'm excited to kind of get into that. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. We'll get there in just a sec. They did lose Mac Hollins, who was their leading wide receiver, uh, wide receiver two last year. They lost Darren Waller, Foster Moreau, but they they gained Jacoby Mayer, uh, DeAndre Carter, Austin Hooper, and Michael Mayer. I mean, big dog, Devontae Adams, he's the best wide receiver in the NFL still. He ended up finishing the season with the third most targets. Only caught 60% of his targets. Most of those other guys that were getting those targets caught 70%. I think that's more Derek Carr just throwing it up, playing, you know, fuck it and chuck it. Football basically is what he was doing. Um, Going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr, it really hurt him a lot. He still finished with 1,500 yards receiving, which was ranked sixth most. 15.2 15.2 yards per reception. That was 15th and 14 touchdowns, the most of any wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, and he slashed the Chargers pretty good too. 10 of 15, 141 yards, one touchdown. The first matchup against Asante Samuel. Second matchup also against Asante Samuel, 8 for 12, 177, two touchdowns. Chargers had no way of stopping Devontae Adams. In terms of Jacoby Myers, did you know he played in 70% of his snaps from the slot last season? Kind of an interesting statistic. Kind of See, that, that uh, is makes, interesting. It is right. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lag, so when I talk, you hear it like two seconds later or something like that. Anyways, I like Renfro as a player. I like him probably more in the slot. I think that you know injuries hit him kind of hard last season, but. Um, it is interesting to see that, you know, Jacoby Mayers played so much in the slot last year, probably going to play more outside because I just couldn't see Hunter Renfro playing out there. Uh, DeAndre no, Carter. I, kinda, I love go ahead. having versatile. I was just saying I, I just love having guys who could do a little bit of everything. You you you, you want that, that that just shows your willingness to contribute where you, you were needed. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Patriots didn't have very many receiving options last year. So they liked what they were getting from Jacoby um, out of the slot. He is willing to, I think his best fit in the long term with his his size uh, is out on the outside, especially with this current team. You want Henry Renfro taking those, those same amount of snaps from the slot. I think he's just more effective there. But having that versatility, being able to mismatch guys uh, when needed and when, when the um, – coverage kind of dictates that for you that that's going to make you a better football team in the end uh somehow the Raiders are going to figure out how to how to mess this up though I mean he's got some size he's 6'2 right so like he can play outside it's just interesting to see that they actually moved him inside 
you know, in, in an offense where he was kind of the focal point of the passing game over the last couple of seasons. So uh, I think DeAndre Carter hit his peak of what he could be under as a wide receiver under Justin Herbert. I don't think he's going to ever replicate that again. Um, shouldn't be anywhere close to the number of targets he had last year as their, you know, fourth, maybe their fifth wide receiver. Uh, he left a lot to be desired as a kick returner, but he was pretty decent as a punt returner, finished with 339 yards, that which is the sixth most. He had his one muffed uh, punt. I still think that's going to be Hunter Renfro's position. I think that's kind of uh, an area where Hunter Renfro is really good. Um, I just, I don't know how that's all going to shake out when they also drafted Trey Turner. Really, really speedy guy. They have a lot of guys that can return punts and kicks between yeah. Hunter Renfro, DeAndre Carter, Keelan Cole, Trey Turner. And also, they also have Philip Dorsett, who is also a burner. So not all those guys are going to make that roster. I highly, highly expect Trey Turner to be as the rookie uh, to be able to get some some return game because he's got speed. Uh, the Cincinnati team had a lot of juice, and he was definitely right there in that mix. Uh, let you go ahead, and you said you wanted to talk about tight ends. I think there's a really, really good tight end room. I think it's really underrated when you look at the names that are one, two, and three. You know, what are you kind of expecting from mm -hmm. – a Josh McDaniels offense that really, really emphasizes having two and three tight end sets. I think, and I think you nailed it. Uh, big part of those Brady led offenses were their two tight end sets. And they did it in a multiple different types of ways with a lot of different personnel groups over the years. Um, losing Darren Waller, that, that is a killer. You've got your, your big deep, threat guy kind of taken out of the offense um and foster moreau was a young and up-and-coming guy they liked his, his usage in the run game um but so you had to go and make some type of replacement for that and i like how they went about it uh brought in austin hooper uh brought in oj howard and then went and got one of i think our favorite tight end guys uh, michael mayer out of notre dame um in the second round i believe so you got a, a really big – you got a, a, a three guys at the top of that roster who kind of do a little bit of everything for you. I think O.J. Howard's probably that vertical threat. Austin Hooper, that kind of in-between guy who's going to probably take a lot of those snaps because of his, his, his experience in the league and a big part of being a tight end is being able to run block. We still don't know how Michael Mayer is going to transition – to the um, NFL level, but then Michael Mayer, probably one of their mo better intermediate guys with, if he can kind of put that, that his college tape to use in the NFL is a guy who can do it all too. So who wins that battle? I think, I think you, you know, training camp day one, it's Austin Hooper. You kind of want to believe Michael Mayer takes it over. Cause I think it makes you a better team. I think he is the, the next up and coming guy. We talked about, he's one of the, the most well-rounded tight end prospects that come out of the, the uh, draft in a long time. I think the hope is Michael Mayer takes that, takes the takes the reins and, and just runs with it. You got two legit uh, veterans to help coach him. Um, and so you're not in a, a really bad spot at that position in case he, you know, it takes him a year or two to figure it out. Um, I don't anticipate that being the case. I think you see week one, Austin Hooper kind of being that guy and by, 
win way in the season at the very latest. I think you see Michael Mayer kind of running away with that position. But uh, having three guys that can play at a position like that, where a lot, two of those guys are going to be on the field a lot. Um, I think I'm more, I'm kind of more interested to see who kind of gets that 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 tight end two spot uh, between OJ Howard and uh, what's his name Hooper more than I I am just not believing in Michael Mayer because I think it's his job to kind of run away with them. But I like the added the I, I like the philosophy of letting guys like that earn it rather than just uh, handing them keys to the city. Yeah, so I mean the depth at this position is outstanding. Mayor, Austin Hooper, OJ Howard, all could be average, minimal average starters for any other team. Hooper's finished as a top ten tight end before uh, over the last couple seasons, twenty seven touchdowns uh, over the last seven seasons, while averaging about five hundred yards per season as a tight end. That's pretty good. I think it's kind of rare that you see those tight ends get eight, nine thousand yards re- receiving. Usually it's only one, two, maybe three guys. Um, they had one of those guys last season, right? They ended up trading him away to the Giants, as I, I think where Darren Waller's playing right now. O.J. Howard, kind of a forgotten player. He's a former first-round yeah. pick from Alabama. He's really fallen out of favor in the league. Like, just right – like, I thought he played really well his first couple seasons with the Buccaneers. Had, like, 500 yards each season to, to start off. Now he's 28 years old. The last couple of seasons, like when Gronk got there, it was like the end of his, you know, and I think he dealt with some injuries too, but it was the end of his hype, right, is when Gronk got over yeah. there. And then they had that other tight end there who I can't think of right now. Uh, he's just he's just kind of forgotten about. I think he's still only 28 years old. Uh, he's got some juice in the tank, and I think he can surprise teams, especially going to those two tight end sets. Um. Finally, Mayer, he's not a freak athletically. He reminds me of Heath Miller from the old Steelers team, right? Somebody who's just really, really solid good. option. Good run blocker. Um, I mean, he was considered a first-round draft pick by just about everybody. He really just fell because he's not, you know, 4-6 speed or, you know, he's not the vertical threat. But great overall player who's going to be the starter by the end of the season if he doesn't open up day one. Um, and I think that they're going to play a lot of two tight end sets. So he might be a starter anyways, just by, based off the the personnel groupings that they're going to have. I think you're going to see a lot of Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers out wide with, you know, stacked tight ends or, you know, coming out in ace, whatever it is that they choose to do. Mayer and Hooper are both going to play a lot of snaps for this team. Moving on to the offensive line. The only real star here is going to be left tackle Colton Miller, uh, Dylan Parham, Andre James, Alex Bars, and Jermaine Illuminor. Um, Raiders held on to their same starting five from last season, uh, but they built on their depth a little bit. They ended up signing Nitain Muti, who could potentially end up being their starter at right guard over Alex Bars. And then they signed uh, Buffalo's Greg Van Wooten. Um, talk a little bit about this position group as a whole. I know you're really high in Cold Miller. Seems like, you know, he's one of the only guys that you actually like out of this team. Um, and what are your expectations for them next season? Yeah, um, I don't know. I think this. I think you take Colton Miller out of the equation, you got a very just boring, porridge-looking offensive line. Um, nobody really gets me excited. And then I'm kind of taking a look, just like at the end of the depth chart. 
if this line, if this group doesn't figure it out, you guys are kind of, you, this position group is kind of doomed for the foreseeable future. You don't have a single rookie on on this. You didn't draft a single rookie at the at the position, uh, which I think is kind of suspect because you, you're not really getting great play outside of Colton Miller. Um, I, I think you had to go out and get some um, veterans to kind of supplement that depth, but I, I, I've never believed in this group. Um, I don't believe, I think Natane Muti is probably a, a kind of a unilateral move from Alex Bars, maybe slightly better, but one right guard um, is not going to do it for you, especially when Andre James, Dylan Parham, and uh, Jermaine Elliman are, are just, they should all be second string guys, in my opinion. Um, and trying to block for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who's been this hurt his entire career. Uh, I, I can see Jimmy kind of checking out uh, week two or three, especially given the dominant pass rushes that this guy's going to have to see um, within the division. Yeah. So um, this isn't like name wise, not the best team on paper, but toward the end of the year, they played really strong. They actually finished uh, PFF grade 73.0 pass block grade. That was the ninth best pass blocking team in the NFL last year uh, was not as great in the run blocking game, which really just shows how much Josh Jacobs had to do overall. Um, I, I understand the fact that they didn't really draft anybody. Dylan Parham was their second or third round draft pick last season. Colton Miller was a former first round draft pick. I think they kind of decided to lean a little heavier on veterans than kind of go and get guys in the draft. Between Natane yeah. Muti and Alex Bars, neither one of them are, you know, great options. I would say below average starters at that position. I, I, I think Dylan Parham can be a good player. He did give up 55 pressures last season. Um, and I, you know, <laughs> I didn't know who Jermaine Illuminor was when, you know, we were talking about him this time last year. I think he's actually blossomed into a pretty average, um, similar to our own right tackle, just somebody who could, you know, be a stopgap player there. Um, probably not the level of starter you're looking at in terms of like a Pro Bowl caliber player. But, you know, I, I think the biggest issues are going to be on their interior. And, you know, Andre James, really not a great player, but doesn't give up a whole lot of pressures either. Just 24 pressures. That was the best interior player for them last season. Um, and then they're going to lean on Van Wooten and Tay Muti as, you know, depth pieces there. Um, it's not a great group. It's not a bad group. I think, you know, I think a lot of people want to see pro bowlers. They want to see all pros and they really don't have anybody outside of Colton Miller. So, you know, they're, they're average. They're an average offensive line, much better than people are probably giving them credit for. Not good. They, they lack the stars, but they have, solid contributors or young guys who could end up stepping into better positions like Parham, like Muti. I think both of those players are like 24 years old. So they've got some young players. I understand why they didn't go into the draft heavy. Uh, we'll talk now about the defensive line, Max Crosby, Jerry Tillery, Bilal Nichols, uh, Chandler Jones. Those are going to be your starting four. They do run a true four, three, uh, they got drafted Tyree Wilson with the sixth overall pick uh, just in this last draft. And then they got some young guys there, Neil Farrow, who we were high on from LSU a couple seasons ago. They did take Byron Young out of Alabama in the, the fourth or fifth round last year. 
it's a really deep group. Uh, and I think there's going to be a lot of talk about their cap battles coming up because they've got eight, nine, ten players on that defensive line who could all make that roster play significant stats. Um, once you go ahead and start talking a little bit about this defensive line unit, uh, wherever you kind of want to talk about them at. Yeah, um, I, I think we're talking about Raiders defensive line. Uh, you you got to go Max Crosby. I think this guy is one of the best we have in the league. Just doesn't have a whole lot of support. And so the fact that he uh, he is as productive as he is uh, with very little help around him in the, sec in the second level and definitely in the secondary, um, I think just speaks to the player that he is. Just a hard worker, high motor guy, um, a, a, a guy you kind of want on your team. I think Chandler Jones, bringing Chandler Jones in, pairing him up with Crosby, giving him that running mate, I think expectations were really high for him coming in. Kind of hasn't panned out um, very early into his Raider tenure, so things can definitely turn around. Don't anticipate that jump being that significant given uh, Chandler's Jones' age and his time in the league. I really, really like using your first-round pick um, an impact player. I think Tyree Wilson is the guy you kind of want to build this unit around after Max Crosby. He is a guy who can kind of do it all very long, a pure, pure pass rusher. Um, and I really like Tyree Wilson at that pick where they got him. Uh, I, I think he's a phenomenal player just waiting to kind of blossom. Uh, I think the interior defensive line is probably their biggest, one of their biggest weaknesses, at least last year. Um, Bilal Nichols, I like. Just needed some help. Jerry Tillery, we are very familiar with him. I think you're right with the interior camp battle to watch. Um, Neil Farrell, we were a bit high on him. He's He has another year um, of pro experience. Oh, Byron man. Young, a big third-round pick. So, you know, you, you took two D linemen um, in your first two picks. I, I, I You're going to hope that one of those kind of Turns out, um, I think Tyree Wilson is a rotational player, at least to start the season. And if Chandler Jones isn't pulling his weight, I could definitely see him taking those starter snaps. But Byron Young and Neil Farrell, I think, are the, the names to watch in camp because they're young. They bring you some youth, uh, and their names are not Jerry Tillery. So I think any time you can move on from a guy named Tillery, um, you're, you're doing something good for the sake of your franchise. Yeah, like you said, Max Crosby is a star of the group. In 2021, he actually had 108 total pressures. That's the most of any player since 2010. Legitimate defensive player of the year candidate on a team that probably won't ever let him actually win it. Uh, the fact that he's going to be tired paired with Tyree Wilson in the future, that is absolutely unfair. Uh, he, both those players are going to be really, really good players together. I think Tyree Wilson's an awesome – I mean, he was the second edge rusher taken off the board – uh, really could have been the first for a lot of teams. Uh, he's he's going to be a phenomenal player. Plus, Chandler Jones probably going to benefit from taking a reduced snap count next season. This guy is ancient, um, getting really really old. Um, played if you think about it, like he played in the like 2010 Super Bowl with the Patriots. That was 13 years ago. Like he's an old old guy who's going to benefit, still has a lot of juice left, still plays at a, a pretty high level considering his like age, but really should be a rotational player at this point in time. I wouldn't be surprised if Tyree Wilson's the actual starter. And you see Chandler Jones 
take more of that type of role that Melvin Ingram is for a lot of teams. Um, like, uh, you know, Tom Bahali at the end of his career, a guy that's going to come in, give you 20 really hard rushing snaps and let Tyree Wilson kind of take over as, as that guy. Maybe won't be that way to start the season, but definitely should be by the end of the year. Uh, Jerry Tillery split his time with the Chargers and Raiders pretty evenly last year. Uh, seven games for us, eight games for them. Uh, the result, pretty similar stat line. Uh, ten total pressures with the Chargers, nine total pressures. Yet, he played 70 more snaps with the Raiders during that time frame. Uh, with more snaps, Tillery was actually less effective overall. Not really worried about him in the slightest. If anything, I'm probably targeting his gap in the run scheme because um, we just know he's just not good. He did sign a two-year, $7 million deal with the Raiders to stay there. Uh, if cut, it's a one-year, $3 million deal. Almost nothing really guaranteed outside the first year. Uh, I'm more interested in talking about Bilo Nichols, who averaged 30 pressures last year. Uh, top 30, 40, you know, interior D-line total pressures, which is generally pretty good. I, I, I call him above average. I think he's less effective at stopping the run, which is part of the reason why the Raiders had some of their struggles there. They finished 19th, um, really 19th to 15th was pretty similar. They ended up giving up 122 yards on the ground per game. By the way, Chargers were still way worse than that, so I can't really dog them too much. But um, that interior, their defensive line, I think there's going to be a lot of battles there. Neil Farrell, Byron Young. They also drafted Matthew Butler uh, last season out of Tennessee, who we were high on in the draft process. They got a lot of bodies there. Typically, when you have a lot of bodies, a lot of guys, you're talking about eight guys fighting for you know maybe four or five spots. That's going to make these guys better. Uh, I just hope Jerry Tillery ends up making that roster. Um, <laughs> they did draft, you know, Byron Young, and they brought back John Jenkins, more of a true 4-3 team. So Neil Farrell, John Jenkins will probably play more in the A gap with Nichols Tillery rotating in the B gap. Uh, they have some camp battles to figure out, and we'll end up seeing where that ends up leading. Uh, I didn't catch too many notes on their linebackers and defensive backs. I will say linebacker is a huge, huge hole for this team. It's enormous. It's terrible. Outside of Divine Diablo, they really have nobody. Robert Spillane will be their Mike linebacker, guy that racks up a lot of tackles, but not in a good way, right? Um, and then Luke Masterton will end up probably being their Sam linebacker. Uh, Darian Butler was drafted in the fifth or sixth round. I think he was Cincinnati big guy, really, really big guy. Um, six, like six, six, you know, 260 pounds, but super athletic, but also never in the right position to make a play. Um, I was listening to a Raiders podcast just to try to get, you know, a feeling for their team. They really don't like their linebackers, which means we should run the ball in the a gap every single play and just destroy the, the interior of this team. Talk a little bit about their linebackers and then make your way over to the DBs if you want yeah um well i i think the biggest thing to talk about about that that position group for the raiders is the the guy you didn't mention former charger denzel perryman who he's gone he's gone and you replace him with robert spillane i i think that's a a, a digression um because at least with denzel perryman if he does get a tackle two three yards downfield it's a big one, and it's one that's going to create excitement on your team and create buzz. Um, he made a pro bowl. Like, 
I love I love Perriman. I think he's a phenomenal player. Um, just kind of doesn't fit the the mold because uh, he's not well, a great cover guy. Yeah, he's just not a great cover guy, and so um, wasn't able to figure out uh, you know that run thumping kind of role. That I think he was built for. Um, like Ray Lewis like, is what what he wants to be. Teams just don't need that um, like they used to. Um, I like Divine Diablo. Everyone else that you kind of mentioned is kind of just a wash. Um, looking at the secondary, the overhaul on this group um, is pretty significant. We got a lot of guys. This roster is going to be brand new, and that is, that is no truer. Th- th- this position group in particular has the most turnover. You know, they they brought in three cornerbacks in free agency: Duke Shelley out of Minnesota, David Long Jr. Uh, where he, from the Rams. Um, and then Brandon Faison, um, who was playing in Indiana late it, lately, uh, also a, a former Charger. When the Raiders loved, to- I think he played a season for the Raiders right after we cut him too. I think he went to to Raiders, then to Indiana last year, and now he's back. Um, interesting to see who gets that uh, the 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 bid there, an outside corner. Um, probably going to lean toward Duke Shelley and David Long there, but then you got two brand new outside cornerbacks. Um, Marcus Epps is probably going to be your strong safety, um, who you brought in from Philadelphia. I like Trayvon Morick. I've always liked him. I think he's safe there at free safety. Um, but Nate Hobbs is a guy. Well, and, and I think Trayvon Morick is definitely safe because they cut ties with Jonathan Abram and they didn't bring Deron Hammond back. So I think that shows they like what they got in Morick. Nate Hobbs is a guy I think who is okay. He's not a great starter, and they went out and took their fourth-round pick on Jacorian Bennett, who I think could absolutely challenge Nate Hobbs for for starting roles there. So that secondary is going to be significantly different um, this year. All in all, when you make some, uh, when you go six and eleven, and that's disappointing, right? One year after sneaking into the playoffs the way they did, uh, you're kind of you're, you're you're telling your fan base and you're telling the people in the organization, one thing you believe in the coaching staff, you believe in the personnel or you believe in the coaching staff, you believe in the leadership. You do not believe in the personnel. So they went to get a complete rehaul. Almost every position goes, uh, is affected with this roster. You real. I don't think it's a, a personal thing, especially when you look at the fact that uh, their records in, in games entering the second half with a touchdown lead, one in five last year. Second worst, only behind the Indianapolis Colts, who were 0 2. The Raiders won 16% of games that they entered the second half with with a lead. That tells me the personnel executed first half game plans, weren't able to make adjustments, and fought and you know let leads slip away. To me, that's a hundred percent a leadership thing. When you look at their 16% win rate after after having a first half lead and compare it to the fact that NFL wide teams are winning at 79 and a half percent in those same scenarios, you got a leadership problem. Um, so I think it's going to be the same old Raiders six and 11, I think is, is your ceiling at this point. Um, and most of those games are going to come from out of conference teams. I would love to watch the, the Raiders get um, swept by AFC West opponents. I think it's gearing up to be that way. Um, I, I, I'm 
just not impressed with what they did. And I think they're kind of putting their eggs in the wrong basket here. I think they are very close to being completely dismantling and going a completely different direction. This is Josh McDaniels and his coaching staff's one last draw. And if they don't win more than six games, I think they're all gone. And I don't see them being able to do that, especially the division they play and the conference they play in. All right. Well, Tyler's back. <laughs> Sorry about that. What's going on with this new banner? What happened? I don't know. I tried to I tried to re-add you, and then this just popped up. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and fix that while I talk a little bit to kind of close out this episode. Um, you know, you're talking about Nate Hobbs. Nate Hobbs was really, really good under the Gus Bradley coordinator. Gus Bradley was yeah. always really, really good at finding slot corners and getting and pulling the most talent that you can out of them. Uh, in his place is going to be Patrick Graham, who was, I want to say, the Giants defensive coordinator last season. Giants defense came alive last year. Big reason why they were really, really good. Um, I looked a little bit up at their coaching staff. Uh, they got a Lombardi at offensive coordinator. Um, they also brought in Danny Amendola, who's going to be coaching uh, returners. Um, really not like a, a, a huge um, – nobody really on their coaching staff that really, like, wows me outside of also having Rob Ryan as a senior defensive assistant. Um, Rob Ryan probably should be their defensive coordinator. He's got all that experience with him. But uh, – I think that this team offensively is better than they were last year. Um, I think they added to the wide receiver room. I think their offensive line is going to be another year um, developed, another year working together. I think when you have continuity on the offensive line, that's just such a benefit to your team. Uh, I think Darren Waller being lost is a huge hit to this team, but he hasn't really played the last couple seasons anyways. He's also going to be 31 years old. And I think that, they had a contingency plan. They brought in Austin Hooper, brought in Michael Mayer, uh, and O.J. Howard. I think they're going to be just fine on offense. I think they're going to be better than they were last year. You're also looking at taking some snaps away from Josh Jacobs, getting Zamir White in the fold. Offensively, they're going to be just fine. Defensively is where things start to fall apart. I think the defensive line is going to be a little bit better. Max Crosby, Animal, Chandler Jones, and Tyree Wilson – Probably a better matchup than having Cleland Farrell spelling them, uh, spelling Chandler Jones. So, you know, the, the interior and on the edge, the whole defensive line, I think, kind of in a really good situation right now. The rest of that secondary and that backfield, the, the that second level, it's not good. I like Divine Diablo. I think he's probably one of their breakout candidates. Um, Trayvon Morig really hasn't played exceptionally well uh really just haven't heard about him because he's not making plays and he's not at the tail end of some bad plays so you know he's just been kind of an average player for them I think this is going to be his third season I want to see him develop because I really like the player I just don't want it to be against us their secondary is just really not that good like Nate Hobbs primarily slot guy doesn't really play on the outside a whole lot um had his one pro bowl season and then kind of just got real quiet again so I think that the secondary and the linebacker room is just not really good right now. I mean, I don't even know who Luke Masterson is. He played for on their team last season. They seem to think enough of him to be their starter. I don't know why. 
Um, it's it, that part of their team is what's going to make them finish fourth in the division. I think they're a, a ways behind the other three teams. And I'll even talk about the Broncos just briefly before we start to break them down. They have very similar coaching in terms of experience. Um, when you take the two teams and you look at rosters, they don't have any holes like the Raiders do. And that's really every team in the AFC West. I think there's just too many holes for the Raiders to really, really get over that six-win threshold that they were at last year. It's going to be a major issue. They're probably going to need to add to, to those rooms a little bit to, to be competitive. Um, yeah, I, I, I put their win percentages probably like 6-11, and 5-12, and 12, somewhere around that area is where they're going to end up finishing. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Um, each of the last two years, though, that the Raiders have squeaked out a win against the Chargers. So I, I'm. I, this is the year we kind of curb that momentum. It's time to go back to, oh, the Raiders are twice on our schedule. Those are two automatic wins. I love those days through the early 2000s. Um, let's get back to that because this team, the, the way they're constructed, the way they've been operating the last 10 years ago, there, there's no – reason they should uh, be competitive with us this year or for the foreseeable future, especially with um, a lot of those guys on short-term contracts. And I really do think McDaniels and staff are on the hot seat this year. Uh, it's his second year. It'd be, I would be weird to, to see him already on the hot seat. I mean, NFL teams, I, they move on quickly, especially but they the held on That's... to Chucky for how long? You mean uh, Gruden? I, I no, think... his name is Chucky. He looks like the Chucky doll. <laughs> Still, I mean, Gruden has a Super Bowl winner. I guess McDaniels, I don't know. He's a Super Bowl winner with how many yeah. Super Bowl teams? Who has got court... more Super Bowls? Sure, but as a court... winning one as a coordinator, I think, is a lot different than having that leadership capability of, of, of leading a team to the Super Bowl like uh, Gruden did. Uh, Still, and Gruden's a big name. You know, he had the quarterback coaches. He's very well-respected across the league um, for what he did with that Tampa Bay run. I just don't see McDaniels being held in the same light, and that's the biggest problem with this organization. They have zero patience. You you're, you just went away from Colin Farrell, who you drafted in, like, the first five picks. Um, you, you just – year in, year out, you, you overdraft for guys. This is a very Raider roster. You got a lot of guys who could run very few people who can are consistent and, and make routine plays. So uh, it'll be interesting, but I think we're getting the same old Raiders uh, that we've are accustomed to seeing the last 10, 20 years or so. Uh, just the last thing I kind of want to talk about before I get out of here. So I just kind of Googled Raiders, see kind of what storylines pop up. Derek Carr reveals the last straw in the Raiders relationship. Once they made my wife cry, that was pretty much over. <laughs> what did they do to his wife? I don't know, but he's, usually it's Derek Carr that's doing all the crying. I know. For the lack of a better term, I was very upset. You spend nine years in a place. You have all the records, which is telling because he has every Raiders record. Uh, you play at a high level, and for something to get in the way, whether it was whatever reason, money-related, injury-related, I would have said I, I don't even want the money. I just want to play two more times in, in front of our fans. Uh, he never got that opportunity, so I guess, you know, he ended up leaving. That, that relationship kind of ended in a bad way. Yep. I'm waiting to see the Devontae Adams relationship. Oh, man. Because really that's next. Yes. 
I think so. So um, I don't have any closing remarks. Uh, anything you want to add before we get out of here? If we can make it make sense, uh, Devontae and Josh Jacobs will look fantastic in powder blue. That's all. Ah, money, man. <laughs> I, I was going to say, if we can if we can just make the money make sense, um, I would love those two guys. But it, what, if it, what, if it, what if you had to trade away Keenan Allen? For Devontae? I think you make that happen. What if you have to trade two pieces, like Quentin and – and uh no 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 uh no that's what it would take you'd have to trade away two stars to get the one yeah uh that's the only way it makes sense financially well and I, i'm just living in a dream world oh yeah let's, i'm just you know I'm super just max out spongebob jumping inside your dream here yeah get out of my dreams up. my first dream starts and i was just kind of speaking what i would like to see into existence i'm just putting my madden manager gm mode hat on um first things first before we get too excited let's let's extend our, our superstar quarterback he he's has a lot of money coming his way uh we need to get that done first before we could start talking about trades adding people um, yeah we so. only know there's only two more moves left anyways and it's going to be another corner and another safety and we're done i'm fine with we're that. set uh, all yeah. right i'm excited let's go Thank you guys so much for listening. Talk to you guys next week. Next week, we're going to break down the Broncos. Let's go Broncos. All right. Sounds good.